Settling in with your body, with your present moment experience. In the way that supports a connection to the present moment. We may all have different ways of settling in. And remembering that relaxation is a great support. Sometimes, rather than an activity of scanning through the body and relaxing, as the mind settles more, one possibility to support relaxation is to drop kind of a request into our system dropping a request into our mind and body. May the body relax. Then not trying to do it, just seeing how the mind and body respond to that request. May the body relax. May the mind relax.
as the body and mind relax. Our system much more naturally connects to its capacity to be present. And we can choose an anchor, choose to connect with the body or hearing or breath. Receiving, receiving the experience. We give some preference to our anchor. And yet, we don't hold tightly to it because many other things will happen and some of those things will draw the attention. Body sensations may arise, strong body sensations that pull the attention from the breath, for example. Or sounds or emotions may arise. when the attention is pulled to something else, we can let go of the preference for the, for the anchor at that moment and be curious about what's this that's obvious right now? And cultivate mindfulness We can cultivate mindfulness on any experience. (coughs) And then if that experience passes or 
is no longer quite so compelling. We can return to that anchor for the attention. One of the common or frequent experiences for us as meditators is the appearance of thinking. And respect, Rebecca spoke some ways to explore that yesterday morning. I'd like to offer a few reflections on that exploration. If thinking arises and it Either we wake up into thinking, having been lost, or there's a kind of a, an awareness of the attention being uh, arising with thinking. Sometimes the mindfulness doesn't go away. We just become aware of the thought arising. One supportive exploration that really has helped me. As Rebecca said yesterday, we're not interested in the content so much. And so perhaps letting go of the content, but it can be really useful to take a few moments to explore What has been the effect of those thoughts? Thoughts are a very powerful conditioning agent in our minds. Sometimes even as the arising, even as soon as a thought arises, it generates a field of body sensations and emotions, mind states, And simply letting go of the content. Sometimes those, that effect of thinking can linger for some moments. Kind of like if a pebble or a rock is thrown into a smooth pond. Think about the rock being like the thought. The rock sinks, but there are ripples on the surface of the pond. 
That's like the effect of the thought on our bodies and minds. And so as a thought arises, letting go of the content, but taking in, how has that affected the body and mind? If we simply let go of the content and immediately come back to the anchor, sometimes we miss, or it's almost like a little bit of a a repression of those ripples. If we simply come back, sometimes those ripples can enter in kind of through side doorways into our practice. So acknowledging those ripples. Kind of in honesty with ourselves about the effect that the thoughts have had. One of the great things about this exploration to notice the ripples or notice the effect and the honesty. Yes, you may discover that certain thoughts, sometimes thoughts, create ripples of frustration or greed or wanting or anxiety or confusion, the kilesa, the hindrance terrain. But also sometimes you might find, and maybe more often than you would expect, that in the return there's actually more settledness Sometimes when our mind wanders out, it's almost like, in my experience, it's almost like the mind trying to show me how to relax. Like the mind is saying, you're working too hard, I'll show you how to to relax. (laughs) And then when the mindfulness returns, the experience noticing What's been the effect of that thinking is to notice there's more calm, more ease. And if that's happening, you can kind of enter into that space, being aware of that ease, that calm, that relaxation. And that can support a return to the anchor. So relax. Connecting to your experience. (coughs) Receiving 
what's actually happening in the present moment. Giving some preference to the anchor and yet not holding tightly to it. If the attention is drawn to something else, then receiving that. Being curious. Remembering a very light touch of effort. Just enough to be with this. Moment after moment.
a few more. <clears throat> A few more reflections about working with thoughts, being aware of thinking. There are different kinds of thinking. And I'm not talking about like the distinction between planning, remembering, judging, fantasizing. We've talked about kind of being aware of that as a, a kind of a way to acknowledge particularly maybe active thoughts. What I'd say is there's, there's different kinds of thinking. Um, maybe we could even say different levels of thinking that be, get be, kind of become revealed the more settled the mind becomes. And so there is this active kind of thinking where there's a little bit of an energy to it. We're engaged with it. There's uh, some content that's usually relevant to our lives in some way, our time here. Uh, you know, so this is, these are thoughts about maybe about being at home or maybe it's about the meal. You know, what, what is the meal going to be like? Or what do I have to do today? Oh, I've got to do my laundry. I've got to do that kind of thing, right? So this is the, the, the more active kind of thinking. And in working with this kind of thinking, it's really useful to recognize, again, you know, we notice it, and then what's the impact of it? How does it affect us? Some of this kind of thinking is um, necessary for us to navigate our day. And yet sometimes it also comes with a little bit of charge. And so uh, being aware, how has, you know, sometimes those thoughts can be like the smallest little ripples on the pond, and other times it's like we've thrown a big boulder into the pond and we've got massive waves. So what's the effect of these kinds of thoughts? Another level or kind of thinking, I, these are, these are my own names for these things. Um, I kind of call drifting thinking. It doesn't have... Um, kind of an, it's almost like the mind is just kind of let go or the energy of being aware has kind of shifted a little bit and the mind is just floating. Floating without mindfulness often, but not always. And so this can create thoughts that have maybe a daydreamy quality, hypnagogic kind of states where the mind has got images coming. Um, they often are nonsensical um, words that you know don't seem to relate to anything that we know about. Maybe seems like people are having a conversation about things we don't even care about. And so just this kind of nonsense almost kind of stuff. This kind of thinking can begin to happen as the mind lets go of its kind of habitual ways of holding itself together. And so um, it, 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 uh, it often means there's a little bit, um, potentially, especially if the mind is wandering in that kind of thought and not mindful, it can often mean that there's a little bit of a diminishment of the energy. And so sometimes we can just uh, do something. And with that kind of thinking, what I've experienced is like, it's actually pretty close to 
a place where the mind is settled and um, balanced. And so if you, if you think, wow, there's a lot of thinking going on and I better get out and do a fast walk to bring up the energy, that, that may spin you into restlessness. Because the mind is, it's like there's just a little bit of drop of the energy and then the mind can just kind of... And so it's like the smallest turn of the energy dial might help there. Maybe just sitting up a little more straight or opening the eyes or maybe just being interested in the quality of the drifting mind. What's that like? Drifting is what's happening. It's kind of got a, 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 a broad quality to it. It's, an, it's a diffuse kind of experience, this drifting quality. Often with mindfulness... Um, we're, we're trained, perhaps initially, to notice very precise and specific kinds of experiences. A sound, a body sensation, a particular emotion arising, a thought arising. And yet there's a lot of what we could call diffuse states of mind. And this drifting is one kind of one of those kinds of diffuse states. Our mindfulness can also recognize this diffuseness. And so if you notice, if you wake up into a kind of a hypnagogic kind of place or a, a drifting or a nonsensical kind of place, this is another place, a, a way of noticing the effect that thinking has on us. And the mind kind of going into a we might call it what we would call spaced out. But it's only spaced out because the, the mind isn't aware of it. And when we um, can open to the quality of that mind, spaced out can be spaciousness. When we're mindful of the state. Just a kind of a, an acknowledgement of our capacity to notice this kind of thing with some other sense examples. So uh, on nights when the sky is clear here, you can look up at the sky and see the individual stars, kind of with clarity. You can see the planet, the moon. But then some nights we can actually see the Milky Way, which is much more diffuse. And the delight, the kind of joy of the Milky Way is like seeing that spread, that like wash. Our eyes can take that in. Our senses can take in a wash. More diffuse. We don't like zero in on a little section of the Milky Way and appreciate that. or in the field of physical sensation, our, our bodies can recognize the difference between walking out into dryness, the air being dry, and walking into humidity. Again, it's not a precise sensation on the skin. It's like, oh, that shows me it's humidity. It's a big, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger kind of experience, but we know it. And so the same kind of capacity of mind to take in diffuseness can, can um, be present with mind states. And this drifting quality can be a good place to enter into exploring that. 
open to what is it like for the mind to feel that drifty. Give yourself an opportunity to touch into that diffuseness before returning to something more kind of precise. Another level of thinking is, and I think Rebecca mentioned this yesterday, kind of the story of me. The narration. And again, this is a my sense is actually this is going on all the time. Especially in our daily lives, we're kind of walking around with this kind of story of me motivating us, having us feel certain ways. And so again, it, it, uh, sometimes when we become more present, when the mindfulness gets more continuous it starts to uh, reveal this level of thought. And it can kind of drive us nuts sometimes. You know, I, I remember one day, I was like, this was really present for me. I was up, up in the upper area and, you know, walked into a, the restroom. And it's like, she walked into the restroom. She turned on the light. <laughs> she noticed that her mind was narrating. (laughs) She decided to report this to Joseph. (laughs) Like, just continuing to tell the story of just the moment to moment, like what I was doing. And this was something, so uh, something that I like to play with in this place is like, just to kind of check in. It's like, can can I choose to stop doing this? Usually not. Often with the more active kind of thinking, as as Rebecca mentioned yesterday, with the more active kind of thinking, when mindfulness returns, we can choose to let go of the content and maybe enter into the kind of field of what's here now around that. What's the landscape? What has happened as a result of that thinking? And then returning to the anchor with this more subtle kind of thinking, often we don't have that choice. There's no switch we can flip to turn it off. And so one of the things that this points to is instead of being frustrated about this, I mean, check it out for yourself. Can I I choose to stop this? She noticed she was thinking, trying to choose to stop it. No. (laughs) It's a pointer to not self. It's evidence for not-self right there in that moment. The Buddha, the, Buddha, the thinking thoughts are um, mental formations. They are functionings of the mind. And at one point the Buddha, in this teaching of not-self, he said, and I'll use mental formations right now, mental formations are not-self. If mental formations were self, we could say of mental formations, may my mental formations be thus. May my mental formations not be thus. But mental formations are not self. And so it is not possible to say of them, may they be thus, may they not be thus. So of certain kinds of experiences that arise, we may notice that it's happening 
It's conditioned. We have practiced this story of me for a long time. At a very subtle level, it's been going on. And so uh, it's very deeply conditioned. We often can't just choose to turn it off. It, do- it can and it does at times fall away, especially as we begin to really settle into the meditation. But if that's what's happening in that moment, if that's what's happening and you're noticing it, you check it out. Can I stop this? No. Okay, well, this is not self. This is, this is a pointer to that understanding. Noticing, of course, whether there is frustration or wanting to control it or, or the sense of being driven nuts by this story. That's, again, that's an arising that uh, needs to be seen, needs to be known. What's the relationship to what we're noticing? And then a, a subtler level of thought, even still, is um, how our minds recognize experience. We've talked a little bit about perception, the capacity of our minds to kind of recognize what's happening around us. We, we recognize things. We learn things from the time we're, we're babies. We're given names for things. This perceptual processing in the mind... Um, helps us to navigate the world. We can see and recognize windows and doors and walls and um, people. and We understand, based on this history, that walls are solid and doors you can walk through. So we, we, we know this based on, uh, on history and the, the, um, the recognition process it's very subtle functioning in the mind. Like even we don't we don't even notice it happening sometimes. Like I am aware that looking out at you, there's a lot of that, that there's perception going on. I know that that's true, but I'm not aware of the perception happening, like right in this moment. I've seen it happen, and so there's a kind of a sense of yes, what I'm experiencing is created perceptions in the mind. But we can start to see perception at work. We can start to see how our mind recognizes thing and op- things, and often it comes through a subtle form of thought. And so it is an example and a, and a great place to begin to see this. For me, this was the first place I began to see this kind of thinking, this perception thinking, is in sitting meditation when there's a sound happening. The mind will often not only notice hearing as a sense door experience, but it'll notice what the sound is based on history, based on experience. So right now in my experience of hearing, I'm hearing something of what sounds like a fan. And my mind in you know, just doing this in this moment of, of, of listening, hearing, and, and the mind created the word fan. There's the sound, there's the hearing, there's the kind of the, the, the 
vibration, the vibratory kind of uh, sense on the ear that creates the sound, and there's hearing. But then the mind recognizes fan. And it often will, it may do that by creating an image of a fan in the mind. It may do that by saying the word fan. Just fan. Or you might notice like another, another example that, that might happen. You're, you're sitting here, and then you hear somebody um, cough or sneeze. What is your mind? How does your mind notice that? It's hearing, but your mind might produce an image of a person coughing or sneezing. Or it might say sneezing or coughing. This is perception at work. And again, you can, you can play with, uh, this is a, this is a, it's useful to begin to notice perception at work um, because it is a doorway through which delusion enters uh, when we don't notice it working, when we aren't aware that we are seeing things through this lens of perception or through this field of perception. When we're not aware of perception at work, the concepts and the ideas about what we're perceiving kind of get dragged in and we're seeing the experience, not just with perception, but also with all the ideas and views and beliefs we have about that perception. And this is where a lot of suffering happens in the world. There's one quote in the Sutta Nipata in the Ataka Vaga. Those attached to perception and views roam the world offending people. This is not just offending, but sometimes harming. You know, so this, so this, is, this is a major avenue of where suffering is created, not knowing, not being aware that perception is uh, how we know the world. And so we can begin to be curious about this. And it, is a, it, it, it often appears as a subtle form of thought. So when you're sitting, you might notice, um, you might notice uh, like a car going by on Pleasant Street. I remember this once very clearly, sitting in the hall and hearing a car, and my mind created an image of a particular kind of car driving down Pleasant Street. We can notice that not as the content of it, but as perception at work. Again, not self. It is the conditions of this being, of a human being, to be able to recognize and perceive so that we can navigate the world. It's not a problem unless we kind of are unaware that perception is happening and unaware of views, opinions, beliefs associated with that perception. So that's enough for this morning. And what I'll say, too, is um, this was some words, quite a few words. Um, one of the things one of my teachers, Sairo Tejaniya, often would say, I would, you know, he would say some words and I would go off and try to do what he said. And I'd come back and report often frustration, getting a headache, 
trying to see what he had said I should try to see. And he said, were you trying to do that? I said, well, yeah, isn't that what you told me to do? He said, no. He said, nothing I say is anything for you to do. It's information. It's information that may help you to see something that you haven't seen before. So just continue your practice. This information, these words, I kind of like to think of them as like Dharma rain. You're the landscape and Dharma rain is falling. It's like it'll seep in. At some point you might be sitting and notice a sound and this conversation, this, this, these words will arise and the mind will see something in that moment. These teachings are conditions that support your practice. But you don't have to pick them up and try to do them. So just, just don't, you can forget these words, you know. The Dharma rain has landed, it's filtering in. You don't have to try to remember them. So uh, today is Wednesday, and uh, Wednesdays at the three-month course means that there are no practice discussions, no practice meetings. Um, this has been the way it's been at least for 20 years. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, just continuing your practice this morning. Uh, Young will be offering some practice meetings this morning, um, sign-up practice meetings. The teachers are not offering the usual rotations on Wednesday. Um, so Young will be offering some sign-ups this morning. He's usually been offering them in the afternoon, so I wanted you to know that his, his offerings are for this morning. And he'll be in room 208, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.